Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. This is a very exciting episode. I've got another birth story for you guys because I know how much you love birth stories. I'm joined with Vicky, who is from the Empowering Birth Mama hypnobirthing company, which is super exciting. So another birth worker, always great to have birth workers on. But over to you, Vicky, to say hi and introduce yourself. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me on, Poppy. I'm really excited to share my story. Um, so I'm Vicky and uh, I'm from the Empowering Birth Mama, which Poppy has just said. I've got four children, um, so I've got a very chaotic life. And I live in Somerset at the moment, which is lovely. Um, I'm from Bristol, so probably got a bit of a Bristolian twang there. But um, yeah, in Somerset with my four children and my busy, chaotic life. <laughs> All things birth going on in my house four kids and you know working in the birth world is just I'm immersed in birth all the time wow and you've given birth four times that is amazing <laughs> great well let's just go into it let's let's hear your story yeah thanks um so my I'm going to tell the story of my second birth um so it's way back in 2016 which feels like quite a long time ago now because we've all been through quite a lot since then um so we had a really lovely birth with my first daughter in a birth centre. Uh, so we had a water birth and I was planning on going back to that same birth centre. With the way the NHS is, uh, that birth centre ended up not facilitating birth anymore by the time I was having my second daughter, which was a real shame because it was lovely. It was a standalone and it was very small. Um, so we were like, well, let's just let's do a home birth. Um, I was lucky that I'd enjoyed a really uh, great pregnancy and I was on a low risk pathway and I was, yeah, enjoying, enjoying being pregnant. And I saw no other reason as to why we wouldn't be able to do a home birth. And I spoke to my midwife. She was just like, yeah, go for it. So um, I rented a pool and uh, yeah, kind of did read a few books and did a little bit of research about how we can make the room be quite tranquil and, and spa like and uh when the time came, I actually um, felt really, really quite prepared. I, I felt like I was really lucky to have had a lovely first birth. And I felt, you know, I've got this. I, I've done, you know, I've done birth before. I know what I know what's going to happen, um, which is crazy because, as we know, births are completely different um, and no birth is the same. And certainly with my four, they were all very different. Um, so yeah approaching the end of pregnancy I think I was about 39 weeks and I was getting my daughter to ready for preschool um and I just thought oh am I am I leaking or am I weeing <laughs> and you know at the end of pregnancy all kinds of things go on down there and I just thought it's probably we so I just ignored it um and then by the time I came back from the school run I my pad was quite quite wet so I thought oh my gosh maybe I should just give my midwife a ring um and I went down to see her because luckily we live around the corner from where my midwives were based. So I wandered down there and um, she didn't even check the pad, actually, which kind of shocked me at the time. Um, she just kind of said, oh, that's great. Um, I'll book you in for an induction tomorrow because your waters have gone. And back then, I, you know, I hadn't done much prep. I didn't know all the things I know now. I just said, OK. <laughs> and I left. Um, with no leaflet I didn't ask what an induction entailed I was just like oh I'm gonna meet my baby soon and you know when you're heavily pregnant of course when someone's saying to you oh we can meet your baby really soon 
baby's on the way and you know we're, we're gonna book you in for an induction because if it doesn't happen tonight it happens tomorrow and I was just like thrilled I just thought well this is brilliant news um I was a little bit confused that she hadn't checked my pad um but you know she was a midwife and I was just like okay I went back home rang my my partner and was like yeah I think it's all kicking off and uh as the day progressed nothing really was happening um so I did the bouncing on my ball I had a bath um just waiting for some surges to happen uh, and I think this was to probably just sheer luck but about five o'clock I started to get some very irregular early surges um and they were very sporadic so we ate tea and uh, put my daughter to bed and then by about eight o'clock these were becoming quite regular so I you know I thought, well, I need to get my daughter out of the house. We're having a home birth. And I know some people have their children around for a home birth. I personally um, was, didn't want that. And I was quite lucky that my dad lives up the road. So we packed my daughter a bag and sent her up the road to have a sleepover at Grandad. So she was thrilled. She was happy with that. Um, and yeah, my other half blew up the pool. Um, we didn't fill it up yet. I was just bouncing on my ball. We had sort of fairy lights around my living room. Um, and I called the home birth team. Now, in the hindsight, I definitely called them too early. Um, but reading lots of things about second time labours, I just kept thinking, it's not going to be long. You know, my, my first labour was quite long. Um, but I just kept thinking, second babies, and people say things to you like, oh, second babies, third babies, they just fly out. You know, it's going to happen so quickly for you. And I definitely took all of that on board. And I just kept thinking, oh, I need to get the midwives here because I was aware that they had about an hour journey to get to where I was. So I called them. <clears throat> they arrived probably about 10 o'clock. Um, first midwife arrived and um, she was probably very good at her job and probably a lovely midwife. But I didn't instantly click with her. So I already felt just a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and then the second midwife arrived shortly after. I consented to a vaginal examination and she found that I was four centimetres. So they were happy to stay. Um, in hindsight, I think knowing what I know now, I probably would have would have asked them to leave and um, maybe said, you know, I'll give you a call in a few hours because really I probably should have tried to get some sleep with it being about 10 o'clock at night. I should have, you know, gone and got some rest. So that's with my thinking head on. And you, you, you know, you're not really in that frame of mind when you're, when you're in early labor, you're excited. Um, so I uh, was sort of on all fours um, on the floor and the midwives were kind of sat on my sofa. And I should say we lived in quite a small house at the time. So there wasn't really anywhere for these midwives to go. So I did feel as if I was kind of being a bit watched. Um, and I was very aware of their conversations, which were, um, you know, talking about the night shift that they'd had the other night and about, you know, someone they work with. And me and my other half were just kind of like, oh, this is a bit, <laughs> this is a bit odd. And um, my other half had quite a lot to do with, you know, the pool. So we began filling the pool. Um, I think this was probably around midnight. And, um, you know, getting the pool to be the right temperature is, is quite a task. Um, nobody really, we, none of us anticipated how full on a task that would be for my other half. Um, and it was just me and my other half. I didn't have another birth partner. Um, so we, yeah, he had quite a lot to do. So I was kind of left sort of squatting um, or being on all fours um, 
over my ball sort of on my own really um sort of listening to the midwife's chat I should have you know put some headphones in and maybe put a playlist on or something but um yeah it just didn't didn't even come into my mind to think about that and then uh, I got in the pool and the pool is one of my favorite places to be in labor I absolutely adore being in the pool I just feel so relaxed and the temperature of the pool is you know it's body temperature so it's, it's really lovely and warm and I just felt this sense of privacy that I hadn't had uh, before because um, you know you're in your own little bubble when you're in a pool and you are under the water and of course people can see through the water but it does give you that sense of security and privacy that I definitely wasn't feeling before so that was a real relief for me um, and I was able to move freely and my back was really hurting um, so I was really really grateful of the warmth on my back. Um, I was managing the surges quite well with my breathing and that was one thing I did really practice beforehand was breathing techniques. Uh, someone had told me you know in for four out for six and I was just like oh okay I'll do that and I did it with my first and it worked so I took that into my second labour. Um, so I was coping quite well at this point. Um, now we're getting into the early hours of the morning and I'm still bobbing around in a pool, which is getting cold. And I either have something to leave me quite frequently to add more hot water and take cold water out. Um, the midwives, they are completely hands off. Um, so they are just sat back sort of watching me and just watching for any more signs. They started to ask, you know, do you think your waters have gone? Um, do you feel any pressure? And I was just like, nope. And actually, at this point, my surges were kind of tailing off. Um, so I stood up for a bit. I'm still in the pool, so I just sort of stood up and swayed around a little bit. My birth partner, my other half, was sort of rubbing my back. And I was really struggling with some back, back pain at this point. Um, it got to really early hours, like we're talking six, seven in the morning, and I'm still in the pool. So I've been in the pool a really long time. Um, I hadn't been to the toilet this whole time. Um, but I had, of course, been drinking and eating jelly babies, <laughs> which were beginning to make me feel a bit sick. And in fact, I think I was sick um, when I was in the pool. So that wasn't great. I managed to get it in a bowl. Try not to be sick in the pool. Um, and my community midwife ended up coming round because she was um, doing a visit. So we must have been like eight o'clock in the morning by this point. And she happened to be the person that was doing changeover. So she said, I'll stay. And she sent the community midwives, uh, sorry, the home birth team home. So I was super grateful for that because I knew her. She was my community midwife. I'd seen her throughout my whole pregnancy. So I was really lucky to have someone I knew come to our, our birth. And she just took one look at me and just said, Vicky, you need to get out of the pool. You know, and she looked at my other half and said, how long have you how long have you been in the pool? And he was like, oh, hours. And she's like, get out of the pool. So she, she helped me get out of the pool. And it was so lovely to have someone familiar there. She, she gave me a hug. She like pushed my hair out of my face and tied my hair back up because by this point I've been in labor a long time. Um, they helped me get upstairs. We didn't have the luxury of a downstairs toilet. So, um, you know, stepping up the stairs, sitting on the loo and I just could not go. I was just like, I can't go to the toilet. There's no way. I, I can't, I cannot go. And those signals get really interrupted when you're in labor. And I just, for the life of me, I could not go. So I and I just said, I don't want to go back downstairs. I want to go into my bedroom. I want to get into bed. And I just felt so tired. And my surges had really tailed off. And I felt a little bit fed up, if I'm honest. Um, so I went 
and uh, my other half stacked some pillows up. He, he knew that I wanted to remain as upright as possible. So he'd stacked a load of pillows up at the end of the bed and I was kind of squatting um, with my forearms resting on those on those pillows and my chin resting on my on my forearms. And um, my midwife was like, Vicky, can I have a good look and just see if we can see any of baby's head? So she was in between my legs having a, a decent look and she was just like, look, give a few pushes and let's just see what happens. Um, I didn't actually have another vaginal examination, but I think from the period of time, everybody was assuming that we were nearing a, a, a pushing a pushing stage, a second second stage of labour. And if I'm honest, I did not feel what they were telling me. They were saying, you know, bear down and push down and go with your body. And I was like, I'm not feeling any of these urges to push. I don't feel like I want to push. I wasn't getting that that reflex that that we get. Um, and yeah, it just wasn't working for me. And I just kept saying, this isn't, this isn't working. Um, by this point, a, a second community midwife had arrived who I, I didn't know. And actually, I don't even know what she looks like. <laughs> she was there for such a brief period of time. But she kind of came in and was like, I think maybe we should think about transferring in. Um, and while at that, you know, it did fill me with a little bit of anxiety and I did feel like, oh, well, that's it. We've had a failed home birth then if I get moved in. You know, I'm I'm absolutely gutted. All of this prep for nothing. And here we are, you know, in my bedroom. I'm not getting any urges to push. My surges have seemingly stopped. Um, and all I'm getting is a load of back pain. Um, so I did feel a little bit disheartened, but they were like, let's give it a while. My other half was like, can we just see? You know, can we just give it 20 minutes and just see? And they were happy to wait. Um, so I changed position I got on all fours um, and again my midwife was having a good look and I did feel a slight urge and I thought I'll go with this urge I gave a big push and my waters burst like they do in the movies and unfortunately for my lovely community midwife <laughs> her head happens to be in between my legs and they, honestly her hair was dripping wet it it drenched her yeah it <laughs> honestly I've never was, heard of it, that happen, happening before <laughs> it it was I mean and we all laughed we all laughed even she laughed oh, luckily she she wears them um, glasses so she she kind of took the glasses off and just dried them in her top and I just thought <laughs> oh my gosh my other half was like shall I get you a towel <laughs> oh my goodness it was it was a very funny moment but actually like looking back we kind of needed that light-hearted moment um to just lighten the mood again because everything had felt a little bit like oh what's going on and I felt a little bit anxious so we all had a good laugh about that and she kind of said that's only happened to me once before <laughs> and I did think well you know you were right now you're kind of kind of asking for it um but I was glad to see my waters break I thought okay we are hopefully back on the right track um and I gave a few pushes but nothing so they said look Vicky we're going to call an ambulance um slow progress we think it's just probably best to take you in baby might be in a bit of a, a funny position and I was like yeah I was quite grateful at this point because I I had had enough and I wanted to be where there was gas and air um unfortunately there wasn't any gas now at my at my home birth I think the home birth team generally bring them um bring gas and air canisters with them uh but uh my home birth team didn't um I think they have to get things signed off and I don't think anyone anyone did that so sadly I, I didn't have um 
any other pain relief options if it came to it. So I was quite glad because I thought, well, there'll be gas and air in the, in the ambulance. So um, very quickly, the ambulance arrived and uh, I made my way out there. Um, by this point, it's, you know, it's morning, it's like 10, 11 a.m. Um, and uh, I just had a throw on me. I was completely naked. I just had a, a grey top that they'd grabbed from my pajama drawer and they just wrapped a blanket around me. And I remember having a surge as we were leaving the house um, and I just had to lean against my neighbour's car. And we live in a cul-de-sac. And I remember thinking people must be looking out the window like, what on earth is Vicky doing? You know, she's just leaning on my car. Um, popped into the ambulance, led on the bed. And I just looked at the paramedic and I said, where's the gas in her? And he was like, oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that was a bit of a baptism of fire for him because he was new. Um, and I don't think he'd ever had anyone laboring in the back of his ambulance before. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> he um, he obviously, you know, he, he would have been a, made an excellent birth partner after that because a lot of things happened in that ambulance. Um, the midwife came with me, um, our lovely community midwife, she sat in the back with me and my other half sat in the front. And um, that's to note actually, if it then became a bit tricky when we'd had the baby and we were at hospital, we were like, oh, well, we haven't got a car. So then my other half had to get a taxi back home to get the car. So if you do end up planning a home birth, just in case, just one of you take the car. Um, the midwife usually goes in the ambulance with you. But in hindsight, my other half probably should have followed the ambulance in the car. Um, so anyway, in the back of the ambulance, loving life on gas and air. And um, I did start to feel some bearing down. And I did um, TMI, but I did do a poo in the back of the ambulance. Again, this poor paramedic. But I knew and my community midwife knew this is a good sign. Everything is starting to move down. Um, and it's exactly what we wanted. And we got to our um, local hospital where they were ready for us. And, you know, the room was ready and they were just like, oh, hello. And they were so lovely and respectful that we had had planned a home birth and that, you know, that hadn't happened for us. They were just like, oh, we're gutted for you. You know, don't, don't worry, it's going to be lovely. And they'd really made an effort to try and make the room really quite nice. But there was quite a lot of people in the room I was aware of. And I think um, a handover between community midwife and the hospital midwives was happening. There was definitely a few more people in there because I think they may have been toying with the idea of an instrumental delivery. Um, <clears throat> so, by this point, my surges had picked up again um, and I was um, moved on to a hospital bed where at this point I was so tired. I was just like, I just want to lay down. So I led on my left side and my other half was sort of sat with me and he was like, it's OK. And I kept saying, I think they're going to do an instrumental. I just know they are. And he was like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's OK. Baby's going to be here soon and you're fine. And the baby's fine. And um, I just suddenly just thought, actually I I feel a bit urgy like a bit pushy um and I started to make some really deep guttural noises and I said to my other half I, I think I'm pushing you know I can I can definitely feel the heads the heads nearly there and he was like I mean I think he just thought oh you poor thing and he was like no <laughs> it's not you know it's okay it doesn't matter I know you're scared about an instrumental but it's fine and I was like no you need to tell someone <laughs> I can feel the head so he kind of was like oh uh, excuse me she's saying that she can feel the head and they had a they lifted up the blanket that was covering me up because obviously you know I had left my house with no pants that's the first time I've ever done that I promise <laughs> and um they they had a little lip under the blanket and um they were like oh my gosh baby's head's there and uh I put my hand down and I and I felt 
um, Olivia's head. We didn't know it, she was a girl at the time. And yeah, we'd be, I have a hand there and I just thought, oh my gosh, I can, I can feel like a warm um, head. Um, it was wet and her hair, I could feel all her little hairs and it just felt incredible. And that really did give me that little boost that I needed. And the midwife just said, okay, everyone out. And everybody left. And then we were left with our lovely midwife and um, our community midwife had gone, I should say. She was lovely. She gave me a kiss and a hug and she left. Um, but we were left with the hospital midwives who were incredible. We had a student midwife with us and she was lovely. Um, and yeah, she was just like, Vicky, just go with what you're feeling. So I um, was on my left side, head down and um, my other half kind of had my other leg up and I just went with it and I honestly did not push it was just like I just breathed and I just I just bared down and I did make some like probably some crazy farm animal noises a lot of a lot of deep mooing um and she just her head was born and then the next surge her body was born and um straight up onto my chest and it was just incredible and I just, you just feel euphoric. If I could bottle that feeling that, oh my gosh, I was a superwoman. Look at this baby I've made. Look what I've just done. It is the most empowering, incredible, euphoric feeling ever. And I just felt like a super, superwoman. I really did. And she didn't cry straight away. She was kind of, she was alert. She was sort of looking around. Um, my first thought was, wow, she looks exactly like her sister um and just my other half was thrilled that we had another girl he was really excited and happy um he was crying I was crying um and it, it was just an incredible moment it really was um and I didn't you know I didn't feel um gutted that we didn't have a home birth I felt like um, I was grateful that we had moved into hospital in a strange way because I kind of felt like I needed that bit of gas and air and I needed that hospital ride um, and she was I should also say she was born um, facing up she was sunny side up so she was back to back um, which probably explains the longer second stage and um, the you know a lot of back pain that I was having um, yeah I didn't I had a, a small graze and um delivered the placenta we, we had the uh, injection to deliver that so we had a, a managed third stage and everything was like pretty calm from there on out we were just incredibly blessed and lucky to um have another beautiful healthy child we we just felt on top of the world wow so amazing and um I want to know more about because I I have heard the whole you know I, I breathed the baby out but um the way that you described it was amazing so I want to know more about that so you know you said you you, did, you weren't actively kind of pushing but it, mm. it it sounded like she oozed out of you rather than kind of you pushed so um what, what how, how did you do that <laughs> well it's it's so strange Poppy I wish I had a I wish I had an answer it's, it's almost like um because they do they call it the fetal ejection re yes. reflex yes so it is out of my four labors I can say I've experienced that twice right um so on this this labor um yeah just 
my body just took over and I just instead of fighting any urge or trying to actively push mm. I just focused on my breath and just was like I'm just going to let my body do its thing and all I did was focus on breathing down um, and you know breathing in and then sending that breath down towards my pelvic floor um, and I, I kind of I had I didn't know that that's what I needed to do but I just naturally kind of did that it was like my body was just like I got this mm. you just you know I've got this you've done a lot <laughs> you've got us to here we've got this now and um even my midwife afterwards was like wow like <laughs> baby just baby was ready just fired out because she did kind of first surge was the head second surge it was just like it's, this is such a strange description but it's a bit like you know like a, a wet fish just like flying out it was just yeah. yeah it was um incredible and my midwife I did say to my midwife I said was I making some really strange noises and she was like yeah yeah you were <laughs> they, they were like really deep primal noises um yeah because birth is such a primal primal thing we we often forget that um uh yeah and it you know she just kind of flew out um, and I was really lucky, actually, that she, although she did fly out, I only had a graze. Um, I suppose I that was because me. You're, you know, she was in perfect alignment. Your body was ready. Why would you graze, um, you know, tear rather? Because mm. it sounds like everything was was perfectly aligned and ready. And this is something that I have been reading a lot about um, lately, actually, is, is the whole pushing stage and how it's actually very misunderstood. So, for example, if you get to hospital and you're 10 centimeters you usually be told okay ready to push but actually there is a natural pause that takes place often where it's nature's gift of giving you a bit of a break and then if you go with that break and then you go with your urges then you've got that lovely rotation that the baby does and everything is aligned rather than being crammed in um there's a midwife midwife wapio that's talking a lot about this and she says you know the whole issue around pelvic floor dysfunctions you know tearing all of those things she actually attributes a lot of that to this 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 misunderstanding of of the of the second stage and okay we're 10 centimeters let's push rather than actually let you decide and go with your urges and if that means sitting and not doing anything for 10 minutes while you have a break then that's okay but as as we know in in hospital it's like you know the intention is to keep things going Mm, at yeah, all times definitely. you know what I mean so it's amazing that you had that twice but then your other two babies you you didn't have that ejection no mm, yeah and I suppose you know if you are actively pushing you do tense your jaw and we know you know a tense jaw is a tense pelvic floor and you know we we want to keep things as relaxed as possible so we avoid severe tears um so I was really lucky that uh I only had a graze with Olivia and yeah like you say she you know she we had that time and I think they some midwives say is it rest and be thankful which I just think is a lovely description yes. uh, it's just a great description of that period of time because you know looking back I definitely had that um when we perhaps before we went into the ambulance when my surges had stopped that was perhaps me in transition um and looking back now I can see that but you know with her being um Olivia's position was back to back my second stage was perhaps a little bit longer and my surges were a bit intermittent possibly because of her positioning um and yeah the you know the ambulance ride definitely helped I expect she dropped further into my into my 
pelvis with that ambulance ride, a bit of a bumpy ride. Um, and I should also say, you know, the ambulance, they did have flashing lights on. They did get us there quickly. Um, but it wasn't an emergency. At no point did I feel like me or my baby were in danger. That is a protocol. They have to take you in an ambulance. They cannot just say, OK, hop in the car. You're under that car. So you absolutely have to go in an ambulance. And it doesn't always mean that it's an emergency. I think when people hear, you know, oh, you've had a home birth and then you ended up in transfer, they assume that you have had this big dramatic thing happen when actually that's not the case at all. And I think the main reason for transfer for most home births is slow progress, which I land in that category, and um, birthing people requesting more pain relief or a stronger pain relief. I think those are the two main, main um, reasons for transfer. Yeah, yeah. And I think meconium as well can be one of them, mm -hmm. um, which is what I've heard. But um, no, thanks for sharing that. I think that's really reassuring. You're right. When people hear, oh, I had to have a transfer, it's like, <gasps> you know, it's like confirms mm -hmm. that thing about home births being dangerous and not going well. And actually, yeah, in your circumstance, you had a quite a peaceful transfer, I think. Um, so mm -hmm. what I want to ask you next uh, obviously you're, you're a birth worker so um, amazing to, to have you on and uh, want to use some of your knowledge so um, so what would you say to people listening who are feeling very nervous and anxious about birth what what kind of tips would you would you give them so I would definitely say there is real power in doing some birth prep not just for you but for your birth partner and understanding um, how your body works in labor and the hormones, all these lovely birthy hormones that you have, which most of us are unaware of, um, and how to really enhance those in your labor. It's really going to help you. Um, and understanding how your muscles work in labor, again, that's going to give you real knowledge. So you can feel confident and calm and you can approach labor in a really relaxed way because a lot of hypnobirthing, as we know, is, is the practice beforehand. So having a really lovely pregnancy and as you approach the end of your pregnancy in a calm and confident way, that's going to go into your labor. You're going to know what's happening and why it's happening. And knowledge is power, guys. Like definitely, you know, a bit of birth prep. Um, obviously, there are lots of ways that you can do birth prep. I and, you know, myself and Poppy would probably say the best way is to actually do it with with someone who's um, who you've got their support continually but you know you don't have to invest like that you can just go and rent out some books from the library if, if you know if that's what you'd like to do um it's really important for everyone to know that they they can say no to things um you can ask for alternatives you don't have to just go with whatever your midwife said um obviously we hold them in really you know high regard because they're birth professionals of course we do just like doctors and midwives and um but that doesn't always mean that they have your best interests at heart it's not always um, what's best for you and you're the professional of your body um, you can take what they say on board and then you know perhaps you can ask for an alternative I certainly didn't know that I had the right to do that but as a birthing person you absolutely do um, and I think that's really important and that's a huge part of um, like a light bulb moment for a lot of people it certainly was for me because um, you know how are you supposed to consent to anything if if you're not informed um you can't give informed consent so you know and actually you have to consent to everything 
during labour and birth. And you can't do that unless you know what it is you're being presented with. So um, definitely some birth prep is absolutely the key, I think, um, to just dropping fears and um, feeling less anxious as you approach labour and birth. Because no matter what kind of birth you're going to have, um, whether you, you know, you might be having a planned cesarean, a planned cesarean birth, there are lots of ways that you can make that more personal to you and to your birth partner. Um, and yeah, just really, I think birth prep is key and practicing lovely affirmations and relaxations with your birth partner beforehand is a lovely way to bond over this new life coming into the world uh, during your pregnancy. So yeah, where, where can people find you if they want to drop you a message or if they want to hear more about your courses? Because I know you, you also have um, lots of courses available. Yeah, so um, I'm just on Instagram at the moment. I do, I, you know, Facebook kind of, I did do that, but it's fallen by the wayside. Um, Instagram is my main place to find me. And you can find me at the Empowering Birth Mama. And there is a um, underscore between those words because I was late to Instagram. Um, <laughs> a, lot of the, a lot of the good names are taken, Poppy, aren't they? <laughs> oh. oh, is that why you have to put an underscore? Yeah, well, I, I didn't want the underscore. <laughs> because of oh. confusion but I yeah a lot of the good names are taken and I was unfortunately late to Instagram so um but yeah I've got my classes um available at the moment they're just on zoom so um group classes private um and then uh in my link in my in my bio link there's some uh free bits and bobs there like birth templates and things like that so um birth plan templates so yeah just if anyone's interested in that uh, hearing any anything about my classes or if you know you just want a bit of advice or um anything like that definitely give me a follow uh, drop me a message I'm always happy to chat all things birth <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for being with us Vicky it's been great thank you oh thank you Poppy Hi guys, I'm just adding this announcement onto the end to let you guys know that my online hypnobirthing course, Birthbox, is now live. Go and check it out. I've put so much love into this. It's an immersive course that's split up into video and audio content, so really giving you a flexible learning experience. And the content is designed to help you feel better prepared, more informed, and confident and excited for birth. So if you wanna feel like that, then go and check it out. I've put everything into this, lots of love, lots of passion, and I really hope that you feel that as you work your way through the course. So uh, go and check it out in the link below and have a lovely day.